Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon with a, a fully recovered JB, how are you doing Jay? I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. I'm absolutely knackered today though. I've done two days of stripping, hardcore <laughs> stripping. <laughs> is that, is that, that pay well? Oh, I've ne- no, <laughs> it, it's effectively free. I've never stripped so hard in all my life. So, um, started yesterday morning. And as of today, I've managed to strip half a boat of paint. Hey, there we go. <laughs> yeah, hard. He has also stripped for the podcast. It's just, unfortunately, me and Phil are the only people that can see that right now. Uh, exactly. We can see some bare feet, definitely. And mm. Phil has done the opposite of stripping. How are you doing, Phil? Um, the opposite of stri- I'm okay, Tim. He's put on a... A new strip. Actually, you've got a new strip on. Yeah. A, a f- and I've never seen a football shirt, actually, that, that looks decent on a fully grown... Adult male. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that isn't a professional footballer. I've got to say, Lukaku looks good in all his shirts. He's, oh, no, but he's a Lukaku. professional footballer. Yeah, but he's the only professional footballer that looks good in all his short, uh, shirts. He fills them out very nicely yeah. in all the, in all the right great. places. But Phil has got a, a new Manchester United change shirt on. Yeah. Well, it looks a bit more like a t-shirt, which I quite, I quite like. It is. Oh, it's quite me. It's quite retro, quite hipster. And then uh, last weekend, when uh, it was the opening weekend of the season, the football season, United played Leeds. Big rivalry. Big rivalry. And there was a video going round of a load of the football hooligans clashing on the streets of Manchester, <laughs> filmed from inside a cafe. And there was a bloke wearing this exact uh, blue, white and red United retro shirt, sipping his flat white while all this chaos happened outside. And I thought, I want to be that bloke. I don't want to be those idiots outside. You don't want to be the uh, Costa lady running to the door trying to lock it. <laughs> no, funny. no, no. Yeah, I, I want to be nice and relaxed. There's something weird about that United, United Leeds game. Because we've been locked up and everything's been sanitised and we're all told how to behave. And then the Leeds fans come down and I, oh, that's that's how real people behave. Well, not real people, <laughs> that's how people, people. behave. <laughs> yeah. And like, everyone's just so shocked that they were singing nasty songs and I about, rioting and fighting. Like, yeah. oh my God. I don't know about the game. I want... I want to be told where these rucks are happening in Manchester for United home games, just so I can go to a coffee shop and just yeah. get, a, get a window seat. Here they come, lads. Well, Christ. There's a great... Um, so in Sale, um, I occasionally stroll into the centre of Sale for a, a beer or a glass of wine, and there's a lovely wine bar called Cork of the North, and it's great name. right opposite... Great name, great pun. 
um, is right opposite the Weatherspoons in Sale. So I can be sat there on the front having a, a nice ice-cold Albarino, and they've got window seats looking out. I can have a nice Albarino or Puifumi or something like that, yeah, yeah. and it's kicking off out, outside Weatherspoons <laughs> across the road, like and I'm like a nice safe distance from it all happening. It's a sort of dystopian thing, isn't it, of like sitting sipping your latte behind your big glass uh, wall... <laughs> Whilst hooligans are busy belting each other with bins, <laughs> exactly, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very, it's very bizarre. So not not to not to cast aspersions on all fo- football fans because last week, of course not. Um, after I'd seen uh, the Red Paths uh-huh. and Miles Reed, I was coming back on the tram from Altrincham, and there was a load of United fans, and obviously there was me, the two kids, and and Claire. And they could not have been nicer and more courteous to us. They, they, they mostly are. They, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. <laughs> so there's, there's no. <laughs> what cracks me up, and I kind of forgot about how savage football is, but like uh, <laughs> the. The, the Rashford and Sancho songs. And it's hard not to laugh, isn't it? Because like, you're just not meant to say these things. You're just not meant to say it. And I don't agree with it, but it is funny. It's, it is quite very, funny, to, very funny to hear. And it was just like, oh my God, what are they saying? You can't say that. Uh, incorrect, we can actually. There's a, there's a little um, Ricky Gervais thing, which I think he was talking to Sam Harris about it, but basically making the point that people write to him saying, oh, you can't joke about that. But point, and point out one thing, like... Like something that's really tragic, like someone dying of cancer. And he's like, "Well, why have you pointed out that one thing, but then none of the other things? Like none of the other tragic things, but because people have one thing that to them is the most personal <laughs> thing in the world, but ignore everything well, else that is incredibly personal to everyone there, else." There would have been people in the BBC offices down in uh, Salford who would have been absolutely gobsmacked that someone dare sing, <laughs> sing a sing, um, sing, sing a song like that and that's just why I found it so funny <laughs> it, it is funny nothing should be off limit for for something should be well <laughs> maybe yes. Yeah, well, in terms of the rugby we do have a, a game to talk about we have a bit of kind of political wrangling and more off the field stuff to talk about in rugby but we also have received um and in, I was going to say a letter. It's more than that. We've received a dossier. Dossier, Ooh, a good, Uh-oh. good dossier or a bad dossier. I think it's a, I think it's a great dossier. Russian. So you listen to the podcast, and we thank you very much for that. And we are here fifty-two weeks of the year, and in amongst our podcast on a regular basis, we will try and uh, you know give our thoughts and our predictions on the outcome of games through the season. We don't keep tabs on that. We we should. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a self-defense mechanism that if we if we kept tabs on it, we'd sort of go right. We need to pack this podcast up because yeah, we know we... nothing. <laughs> anyway, we've received a I've received a dossier called the Tetlock Cup, and it says created and produced by Hannah Snell. Mm. The overview says after almost twelve months of indulgent gossip, quality content, basement prittle prattle and reassuringly vague predictions on the outcome of rugby games we finally bring you the results of the much anticipated uh. and never to be repeated tetlock cup <laughs> with a cult-like following trumped only by sex from crossfit and the smiths the egg chasers do attract some oddballs one loyal egg chasers listener hannah snell dreamed up the tetlock cup to try and capture weekly predictions and evaluate just how much the boys know their onions See, in our review from The Telegraph in the top 30 podcasts in the world, Ever. Uh, we we were described as... Um, convivial. Pleasingly well, convivial. Pleasingly, pleasingly convivial. And the phrase, know your onions, was used. Mm. Mm. 
Uh, brackets. JB, if you don't know who Hannah Snell is, polish up on your history of the Royal Marines. Right. Well, we do know who Hannah Snell is. Well, Thank you very much. Well, um, so, so briefly, Phil, who's Hannah Snell? So in the 18th century, she was a British woman who disguised herself as a man to become a soldier. Um, wow. So I was going to yeah. say, she's like a modern-day Brienne of Toth, but actually she's not, because Brienne was not... Oh, she, or was she disguised? She, she never was did. initially. Was she? Yes, she was disguised initially. Yes. And the uh, young Stark girl disguised herself at some point, didn't she? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As, a, as a young boy, yeah. Yes. Correct. Fancy yeah. imitating reality. Mm. Uh, Game of Thrones references, if you weren't aware. Right, if, uh, while what Hannah Snell did not anticipate was what Sisyphean task it would be to, uh, uh, to try and pin each of you down to a winner of each game. <laughs> At times, it was like trying to sculpt air. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hannah would personally like to thank Phil for his predictably clear predictions. No, no surprises there. Uh, in order to accurately evaluate how good or bad your predictions were, Hannah also ran a bot that picked at random the winner of each game to see how you did against chance. Uh... This bot was menacingly named the Stephen Jones bot. <laughs> <laughs> As it turned out, the SJ bot's predictions were as good as his best ever fly half selections. Mm. As well as the Stephen Jones bot, we also wanted to see how successful a bot would be if it simply picked the home team as victors in every game. Mm, Hannah cool. felt this bot needed a name with a corresponding lack of self-awareness and one-eyed pr- proclivity, so it was called the Maserati bot. Love it. Nice. Conclusions. Depending on which metric you focus on, you could probably make a case for all... But Tim and the Stephen Jones bot as the winner of the Tetlock Cup. I would not have thought that. Uh, yeah, me neither. Without being able to accurately make apples for apples comparisons across the five participants, there's graphs on the next page. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Hannah has decided to make a judgment call on the winners. Tetlock Cup winners, JB and Phil. For different reasons. I'm astonished mm. by this. There's got to be a sting in the tail. Footnotes and caveats. JB had the highest prediction percentage. Overall number of games predicted, uh, divided by number of correctly predicted games. What? But, 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 he also predicted nine fewer games than Phil, which gives him a clear statistical advantage. Less predictions means a higher chance avoiding reversion to the mean. For that reason, it's unfair to award the Tetlock Cup to JB. Uh, Wonkish analysis and commentary. The Maserati bot predicted the most amount of games correctly, Mm. but also attempted to predict the outcome of every single game, as did the Stephen Jones bot. JB attempted to predict the least amount of anyone, 99, but actually had the highest prediction percentage of 66%. The Stephen Jones bot correctly predicted the fewest games, 60, and had the lowest percentage, 49%, but he did attempt the prediction of all games. Right, get that. In the COVID season, when crowds played virtually no part, there was obviously less home field advantage, Mm. but the home team still won 58% of games. That's quite interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. This means in a normal season, your best strategy would be to always pick the home team but make an exception when the top two teams play bottom two away from home, for example. This is a great little um, mm. should we read accumulator should plan. We, read we should keep this to ourselves. This is valuable. Yeah. So basically, just by picking... Don't let the people know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I... Um, overall, games correctly predicted. Phil actually had the most games. I had the fewest out of the three of us. Mm. So, uh, and it was, it's quite tight. You can look at the graphs for yourself, but I just thought the general point um, it was quite interesting if you, were, if you were coming up with a... So the reason I'm so astonished by this is because I'm always looking for upsets. I'm always yeah, looking yeah. for the upset. 
I think, yeah, because you've got to think about these things. And I, that's yeah. where I see the upset. There's uh, no way that's right. Well, I, right. I think the thing is, Sale had a good season, which meant that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I also pick a lot of Worcester. I also picked Worcester. Certainly early on in the, the year, I had a lot of hope and expectation for Worcester last year. I picked a lot I got of... let down. I, I sort of know who I pick because of the teams I like. But I, I also think, I'm looking <laughs> at this, 25, <laughs> on 25 occasions, JB did not pick a winner. Because I'll say I don't know. Which, which no, I suggest that you you just swerve the tough to call matches. Well, yeah, I say I don't pick, know. You pick <laughs> the obvious ones. <laughs> or JB does... Um, the most famous example of this was England Australia in the quarterfinal of the 20, 2019 World Cup, where about two or three minutes apart, you predicted a big England win and Australia by ten. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a, that, it's pretty full. It, it could, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, as as was said in this dossier, like trying to sculpt air. Yeah. So JB, you had sixty six percent prediction success. Phil sixty three percent, and I had sixty one percent. So pretty well done, tight. Well done, Jay. Astonishing. Yeah. Astonishing. But I, 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 I'm I, actually, I'm actually not happy with it. <laughs> it's not, it's I, not I would I not it. question Hannah Snell's accuracy or methods. There is there also there's also an Excel spreadsheet which has got loads of valuable information which you can dig into. Phil, that's your wonderful. Domain. So, top hedge fund managers only pick like 52 percent right. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if next season then we should put I, no. So I've always thought I wonder if it'd be a good idea to have a betting account which you put your bets on but within certain rules like maximum minimum and then i don't know you've got to bet our you know they've got to be reasonable bets like you can't just say uh first try scorer this or you know if, if you uh, just thought they just did so outcome so, win like win, loss, draw. so well uh, if uh, just playing that through so you got 68 percent right 66 percent oh, sorry 66 percent yeah. correct if you just put a fixed figure on every single game throughout the season would you make money or not? Because 66%, but there will be lots of those where... Sure like, X to play in Worcester would be... You'd get 1.01. Pennies on the pound. Yeah, yeah. yeah you would, you'd get 1, 1p for predicting that um, correctly. Whereas some of the other games, some of the... Like, I had that accumulated that got me 700 quid last year, um, including uh, Scotland winning away in France... As, as one of the multipliers. So is it, yeah. So do you put it all on as an accumulator or do you do it as... No, do, do it as individual. Because the problem with the accumulators is one bad result ruins five mm, good true. results. You could get 84% correct or whatever it is or whatever the percentage would be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, you'd, you'd have to do it as individual bets. But I think because of the um, because of the weighting, I think you'd probably still lose money. Brilliant. If, even if you predicted, well, house always wins. Correct, like on, on the roulette yeah. wheel, house always wins because of the zero draws as well. Mm. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Maybe I'll have to go back to work and earn money the real way. If there's Maybe. one, th- if there's one thing we probably would have had a hundred percent accuracy on, it would be the prediction that rugby would find new ways to completely make a farce of itself. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I would say so. That is a certainty. And the rugby championship have managed it. Um, they well, were, well they, they, it's not really their fault, is it? Well, well, it, well I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Oh, go on then. You tell so, me so on this one, so this is this is the rugby championship this year. After last year, the Springboks withdrew because they weren't ready, mm. and so this year, um, 
New Zealand was supposed to, they've played Australia twice. They were supposed to travel to Perth this weekend to play Bledisloe 3. Um, and seemingly very at very short notice, without any um, prior notice to Rugby Australia, according to uh, Rugby Australia's CEO, um, they withdrew from the game. They just said, we're not travelling. New Zealand said that? New Zealand said they're not travelling to Perth. Christ. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I don't know what the financial implications are of that. Obviously, there's no game, there's no TV money, there's going to be a crowd that disappears, but I don't know what the lockdown scenario is. Well, which well, is they'll have had to pay all their staff at the stadium, the stewards, all the rest of it, the policing costs, even though it, they would have... Do stewards still get paid? I thought you had to actually be there. It's like shift work, like you have to be there. I wouldn't be surprised if they're out of pocket. Well, I don't know, potentially, but mm. I think if... Think about think about uh, self-employed freelance stuff or yeah. occasions like that. Is if you book yourself in for that, you can't do anything else. Not so, that you're yeah. the um, example of the most worthy of employers employees, but it's a serious point. If you were working that game, you wouldn't have got paid. Simple as that. Because you are a I, well. Because oh, no, I, I would, have, been, I would have invoiced for yeah, it. Yeah, you're making you? You're yeah, making no, the I, point that yeah, I'm yeah. making the point that I would have invoiced for it because if I say to well, whoever it is, Virgin Radio. Whoever I was working for as a client, if I was, if I said yes to that and we agreed and said yes, book me in for that, I will do that on those terms. Then I have, then I have to say no to anyone else who says, "Are you available on this day?" Yeah. So that that yeah. day is like self-employed people don't have a day off. Yeah, of course you, you don't. You don't have holiday. You don't have a day off. You have every day as a work day, other than days where you choose not to. So I mean, that aside. Yeah. So anyway, like, there'll be a big financial cost. Well, is there? I can't imagine then insurers going to pay out pay out for this. I mean, uh, well, who's going to like for, for well, the bill for it all? So Andy Marinos, the CEO of Rugby Australia, has threatened in his angry response this. He's threatened that if they don't play this game at a later date, I think um, not next weekend, the weekend after has been mooted, um, he will be hitting uh, New Zealand with a bill. Good with a him. With a multi-million dollar, Aussie, Australian dollar bill for all of the associated costs that we're referring to now. Dave Rennie was absolutely furious. Gave, uh, did not hold his punches at all. Did you see what Dave Rennie said, Phil? I did, yeah. He pointed out, uh, again, fill in the gaps, Phil, where needed, but Dave Rennie essentially said, last year, when New Zealand had issues, we travelled mm. and we quarantined for two weeks in order to, yes, to fulfil the fixtures. And then at very late notice, without telling us, the players found out on social media, you've just bailed. Yeah, it's pathetic. It, there's no other word for it. It's pathetic. It's derisable. Um, I, I hate it. I hate it. They've got weak, weak leadership and they should have done what's right. I mean, look, rugby-wise... I'm not sure if it makes a huge amount of difference. Australia were going to get an absolute hiding, no, no doubt. But at least they wanted to play. And the higher-ups of New Zealand rugby should hang their heads in shame. It's awful. And from a rugby perspective, you're, you're exactly right. But it is, it's more of a um, financial implication at, well, at, at so this moment many in time. To it, isn't there? The, 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 I mean, when COVID all first kicked off, everybody said, yeah, of course you should stop the football games. Of course you should stop the, uh, the rugby games. We don't know what the implication of this awful, awful, uh, awful disease is. We have no idea. And then as it drags on, you realise that, as you've pointed out before, Phil, it's not about life. It's about quality of life. And sporting events are bloody important. They're important to your culture. They're important to pe- people's well-being. You know, it's more than just the financial hit, which is something. But it just tells that, that like the whole pop, the, the whole population, what's what. It's 
It's absolutely you talk, Well, the context is a country shut down both North and South Island for one case on the North Island. So uh, you understand it, but it's just that I think Australia, Rugby Australia can rightly say, we really did you a solid last year at yeah. a huge personal cost and sacrifice and you've just yeah. you've, you've just walked away. Now, right. I, I don't know how much of this is down to New Zealand rugby who have not covered themselves in glory at all recently and how much is down to the New Zealand government who are obviously, I mean... Nuts. Yeah, well, Psychotic. yes. Psychotic. Well, well, if, if we're just, talking about governance, Australia <laughs> and New Zealand yeah. are both insane. They're, they both seem pretty crazy. But they, they've created a position where no risk is acceptable to them, but only on this one plane. Like, when you look at the decisions they're making on this compared to some of the other decisions, taking the stance that not a single death from COVID is acceptable is is great and it sounds good, but Mm. it's just political posturing. And when when you actually have to play through the implications of that, it's crazy. Like, you you shut down an, an entire economy for... Um, yeah. f- because of risk and in our domain you shut down a- an entire sport which as you said JB the value of which is huge and tangible and yeah. the businesses directly and indirectly related to rugby are huge the the personal welfare mental health physical yeah. health, it, health all of those things the way that I look massive at, the, just, the, that's just rugby yeah the way that I look at sport in general it, within a culture is it's like salt in it, um, in your diet you don't know you don't need it until you start dying because you don't have any salts. Yeah. Um, it does seem on the face of it a very trivial thing that, that you know you get to watch your sports team, but we found out in lockdown that it does actually affect quality of life. They, they should be out there playing. That sports should have an exception. But I think, you know, I think it's probably about the politics of what this says as much as anything. Well, this, this well, game is, being yeah, missing... Yeah, this is only part of the, of the developments, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. And this game... Um, not taking place actually got me doing something which I lasted in lockdown, which was going back to old game footage. Mm. Not because of this game, but because of the... It's been discussed, well, if Australia and New Zealand are not going to host games, where can you host them? So it's been discussed um, that it could go to the Middle East or it could go to Twickenham or... Well, the Northern Hemisphere, France, Wales, um, England, or it could go to South South Africa have said they can host it, which obviously they've hosted a Lions tour, albeit in very restricted circumstances. Um, And that got me looking back to the last time there was a Southern Hemisphere game in the Northern Hemisphere at Twickenham, when... Crusaders played the oh, Sharks, yes, and that was right. one of the best games of all time. I would say it was an amazing. So I rewatched not the full game, just the the highlights of it. It was an amazing can game. You name, ask Tim. Can you name the backline for the Crusaders that that day? Presumably, it was. It's a hell of a backline. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Moonga. Which one is it? So it was 2011. Oh, yeah. 11. Oh, 2011. All okay. oh, right. Okay. Dan Carter. Correct. Correct. Um, the wingers are hard. The wingers are hard. I, so I would get the wingers... So I'd, the nine is the hardest position, I think. I think yeah. the, the wingers are okay. Can, can I guess... Uh, I, is it Willie Hines, the nine? No, I don't think I'm just getting the team up. I don't think it is. I'm sure he has some sort of record for the amount of Crusaders appearances. 
Uh, I've not got the bench. No, it's it's definitely not. I, I yeah, can't, I've got, got I the can't, team. I'm completely blanking. Where's so no. the, I think the back three were Maitland. Yes, Guildford. Wow. Yes. Uh, I think that Guildford he turned up naked yeah, at a, that's a, boy. a wedding reception. Yes. That's a boy. I mean, <laughs> Guildford was awesome in this yeah, game. He was. Maitland scored two tries. He was awesome. Was Izzy Dag? Izzy Dag was at fifteen. Oh, so the t- centers. Uh, One center is easy. Crotty. No. Uh, oh God, I've got this guy in my head One centre is easy, one centre is hard. So, no, not, no, 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 no. Oh, no. oh uh, Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill. Sonny Bill was awesome. Yeah. So the 13. 13, yeah. I've got this guy as well. Is he, is he a smaller chap and is he like... No, 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 he is not a smaller oh, chap. Oh, Nadolo? Nope. Uh... Not Hadley Parks. <laughs> no. Oh. I'm sure Hadley Parks played for the Blues, yeah, I want to say. Blues, actually. So it is a chap who did come north. A chap that came north, eh? Not sure about that one. Oh, um... Not a... S- oh, Luke McAllister. No. No. He wasn't. Not a Sam, was... Sam Tutupo, someone like that. No. No. He's, oh, okay. he's only 33, but he retired a few years ago because of health issues. Crikey, I have no idea. I'm big, gone. big boy. As uh, pretty I'm much as big like, as Sonny Bill. In my head, I'm, I'm imagining a lad that looks like Kurundrani. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're not a million. Well, I, I know he's a big, him. strong boy. He's not. It's not Kurundrani. I don't think he's. Um, What's his name? God. Fijian. So Robbie Froon. Oh, I didn't know that. Damn it! And he because he get, where did he go? He went to Glasgow in the end. Edinburgh and Bath. He was That's there it. briefly. He was awesome. But Robbie he, Froon was like the same size, pretty much as. Sonny Bill. Yeah, yeah. So you have these, like, these two are just physical gods, and Fruin could play. He could they really could both, play. They could both play. What was his problem? A hole in the horse, thing, was it? Yeah, oh, it yeah, was a right. heart issue. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I didn't get that. How annoying. <laughs> and, the, and the scrum off to finish it off. I'm going to say, uh, Cowan? No. Is Ellis. Oh, of course. And, uh, Andy Ellis, is that? Yeah, I think it is. And then in the forwards, so you had Wyatt Crockett, um, Owen Franks, um, Corey Flynn, Ben Franks came off the bench. Then you had uh, Brad Thorne and Sam Whitelock wow. with <laughs> with Chris Jack on the bench. Wow! Best of luck, boys. Uh, George Whitelock, Matt, Matt Tog, and Kieran Reed. Wow! wow. But, so the, only but just, the Sharks had World Cup winners well, the in their team. Well. The Sharks that day was Ryan Kinkowski. Kinkowski at eight. Willem Alberts, um, <sighs> Alistair Hargreaves. He's got Moster on here, which I'm not no, sure. It might he'd be four. <laughs> it was ten years ago. He had the du- Duplessis brothers. Yep. Uh, Moster must and be Yanni. like thirty now, so that could be Maybe. a young Franco I'm, Moster. But Moster is quite a common name, to be fair. I think Moster is about twenty six. No, twenty eight. So it'd be so eighteen. So have a quick look. Did he play for the? Sh- He's thirty. Is he? Okay. Um, did he play for the Sharks? No, he didn't. No. So it's a different Moster. Yeah, he played for the Blue, Blue Bulls and the Lions for a bit. But do you think, with the as soon as you said, oh, could play it in the Middle East, could play it in the UK, is this all just about cash? Well, I, th- I think they're just, at, the, at this stage, things are being put on the table to try and make it happen. And it's, yes and no, it is about cash. It's yeah. about getting the tournament completed and getting revenue. Because the unions, where they have been hosting test matches, they've not been holding them at full capacity. 
Um, it's certainly just, without travelling funds. In my opinion, it has to be more than cash, which is holding this up, or the reason to do it, right? We're 18 months into this. This is like, yeah. How is this happening now? Because they're nuts, aren't they? Right? But this is why I think it'd be more than that. Because what's the reason for not travelling? Presumably it's a COVID-related reason. It's not uh, yeah. that they just don't fancy it. There's obviously a politically motivated COVID reason. Okay, So to not play it in probably the second safest COVID uh, Western country in the world, Australia... All right, if you're not going to do that, you can't go to South Africa. You can't you go can't, to the yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go to Hong Kong. You can't go to... You certainly can't come here. <laughs> like, well, you're more than welcome to, but then just go to Australia. Yeah, yeah. So there's obviously more to this. I mean, there's obviously... It goes beyond the All Blacks saying, we don't want to play. It must go to the heart of politics and what, you know, them not playing this game says to the population who are now expected to, you know, stay in their houses and waste their lives. That's, that's what I think. Mm. Yeah, it, it it's a horrible situation to be in to not have the rugby, but it does seem like such a, yeah, an over. I hate using the word, but overreaction give, given the position that Australia and New Zealand are in. Mm. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. But it, yeah, I know. But once, but once you once you have that stance that no, no risk is acceptable, then. Everything flows. Stop playing rugby then. Well, yeah, there's yeah. a risk in rugby. Don't, well, don't don't play it. But that's that's the problem. Like once you start down that route, then all sort of sorts of things will just be deemed too high risk and be taken out of pe- people's hands. That that horrible word that has been become so prevalent. Optics. It's not good optics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Well, forget them. They don't deserve to be spoken about any longer. Um, there was a couple of teams did get a game on. Yeah, and I didn't see it because I was stripping my belt. <laughs> um, you sadly you didn't miss very much. No. You missed. Uh, I think the figure was twenty-one Argentine penalties. Wow, that's a lot. Which is a, on, for or against? Um, against Argentina. Oh god. Which that and a card for Lavanini. No, <laughs> that doesn't sound like the Lavanini that I know. <laughs> um, and that just dictated the game. It dictated the pace of the game. It dictated the way that South Africa played. It dictated the way that Argentina were playing. And it just it meant it was a pretty awful spectacle. Now, there was there was a couple of bright moments. The nearly try intercepted by Lucano Am was brilliant. The final try, Matera got over the line on the 86th minute, I think it was, 84th, 85th minute. When you say that, you mean the, the Argentina nearly scoring a try and Lacanio and pit-pocketing Argentina yeah. on his own line? On his own li- yes. That was awesome. That was awesome. The Matera try was good. Yeah. Um, and they, they I, I kind of felt sorry for Argentina throughout the game because they, everything they tried just wasn't going right. Um, it was Carl Dixon refereeing and for, for whatever reason he... Was not happy with the Argentines. Yeah. Um, the the best bit was the Mapimpi try, though, and you might have seen a little bit of um, a replay of it m- tracking Willie Larue's movement for that try, which was incredible. So he gives the ball deep in uh, deep in Argentina's uh, twenty-two on the right hand side <laughs> near the right hand touchline. I think he gives it to Diolandi, who goes crashes the ball in. He clears out. There is then one phase, and Willie LaRue gets up from the bottom of a rook and sprints the full width of the field to be the second playmaker outside Andre Pollard and give it's basically two 20-yard passes. And the work rate and the, the skills under that pressure from uh, Willie LaRue are 
awesome for the Mpimpi try. So I'm going to predict the futures of two players, potential futures, I might add. I can see the future of Locarno being in the top 14 somewhere. I mean, that sounds fairly obvious. <laughs> but I can just see him being an integral part of a Pro 14 defence in those static, um, more power-based games and just locking down a back line. I can see that being such an effective ta- tactic for someone. Like a Claremont picks him up or yep. maybe someone with a little bit... Um, actually, no, Claremont would work because you know, as French teams go, they're <clears throat> they're pretty sort of... Anglo in their um, in their approach, so yep. that could that could well work. As from Pimpy, I think he should thank his mate Chesin Colby because he has gone over to Toulouse and he's just lit the place up. And I think if someone wants to take a punt on a winger who could do magical things in the top fourteen, and Pimpy, you could do a, you could do a lot worse. And I don't think he's got the ability to create something out of nothing, but he's probably a better support runner. He's probably a better out and out winger. He's great defensively. He's a very good finisher. Um, he's also older than you think. Yeah, he's like twenty nine, isn't he now? It's thirty one. Thirty one is he? A pimp it. Yeah. So if he if he does it, he should do it now. Albeit, I'm just looking. So he is currently playing his club rugby in Japan. For yeah. he'll be all right. Red Hurricane. He'll be so, okay. Yeah. He'll, 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 World Cup winner. Yeah. Now here's the second thing that I wanted to say is, what is the point in Argentina at the moment? Like, what is it that they are bringing? Because we remember him. Great national anthem and awesome stash. Unbelievable yeah, stash. Kit. Well, it reminds me of another team, right? So we remember them beating the All Blacks, what, 12 months ago? In, uh, yeah. you know, there's lots of things which are unprecedented. This was an unprecedented vi- yeah. victory. The way they prepared for it, the, the whole lot. Are they effectively what we always wished Italy were, which is pretty rubbish most of the time, but legitimately had the quality to win? And cry when they sing the national yeah. anthem. Yeah. They look great, uh, they, they play good rugby on occasions, they seem to have the talent, but they just don't seem to have whatever it is they need to win consistently. Now, it's, it's a tough one to answer because they've played, um, the two games that they've played, without really any proper warm-ups, they've played South Africa, World Cup winners, who are fresh off the back of beating the Lions. So they're playing, well, the number one ranked team in the world the number yeah. one team in the world, in their own backyard, twice, uh, to introduce them. I think if we see them against Australia, they will, well, have a very, very good chance of winning that and maybe not beat New Zealand, but they will they will disrupt and make things very difficult for New Zealand. Exactly. So they, they are a good, legitimate team. They are just... They're facing the best in the world. So people used to say about Italy, oh, they're very good with their scrummaging. They love their scrummaging. We really knew that, you know... They weren't that. They weren't that good, really. You know? They, they had a few there, there good a props. There yeah, because Castro Giovanni was. I mean, he was legitimately one of the best props in the world. Well, there was a guy before that who was meant to be absolutely, absolutely incredible. Was Ron Serro? Was he Italian or Argentinian? He though? was Argentine. Because there's a couple of them that were Italian Argentine. Yeah. Argentine Italian. Yeah. Was a, I want to say Lo, Lo, Lo Yes, and he was meant to be absolutely brilliant. Wasn't really. There was the. Hooker who became captain, uh, who played at... Giraldini. Uh, Ongaro. No, Giraldini. He's like, yeah, he's a good hooker, but he's certainly not like the hookers that that Argentina produced. Well, uh, this is is what I think is key for Argentina, is they've... Their DNA, and they just just need to play to their... What what, what have been their strengths. They're a couple of props short of being the force they were. And also, they just need to let the boys play a bit out out behind, because they've got some... 
unreal gas and some real unique individual talents. So that's what they should base their game on. Try and develop a couple of props, a little, a bit more depth in the prop area, so they can be genuinely scary at set piece against. That was always their thing, wasn't it? They were frightening at scrummaging. So as a Wales fan back in the day, not anymore, but as I used to be, um, I used to almost revel in how good we were after we were so bad for so long. I, the first Welsh victory I saw over England, outside of the Scott Gibbs one, was when Gavin Henson picked up Matt Take. 2005? It was ecstasy like no other. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was incredible. Now, I think back about that, and I think, would I rather be a Welsh fan who gets those incredible highs but in order to get those incredible highs I need those incredible lows as well like the 52 point drubbing the year after to England or do I want a consistent Warren Gatlin team now I think I would like a consistent Warren Gatlin team but there again I've never experienced the highs of an England victory like um, like the one uh, with Gavin Henson and Matt Tate before, since, after, ever, ever again what do the Argentines want? do they want a team that you know, reflects their national character? Or do they want a Warren Gatlin team? National character. That's yeah. a national character. Just... Well, look at South... Ask the question of South Africa, who in the space of four years went from almost laughingstock, losing to Japan, um, not basically not registering a rugby championship win for the best part of ten years, to top team in the world, winning the World Cup, successful Lions tour... Um, a successful Lions tour on the back of no rugby for 18 months... Yeah, like, that you, I, you would uh, that high is as high as you can possibly go. Well, on the and they had to stuff, suffer through the low. Just talking about uh, about them a second. I do not understand how they're doing what they're doing at the moment, um, and also how you expect them to play. So imagine England play the World Cup final, and then week after they had to go into Six Nations. Like, how do you go from three Lions tests and all the physicality that that involves, and then be expected to play what six games in the Rugby Championship? Which is still a bloody... I mean, it's, just, it's, it's an amazing thing. It, you know, but it's not the high of the Lions tour. Yeah. Like, what they're it, expected to do now. It'd be almost better if they did the Rugby Championship than finished off with the Lions. <laughs> but to have the high of the Lions and then now you've got to go into the Rugby Championship, it's a bloody big ask. It's incredibly tough. And the, the, the one thing you could compare it to would be, like, um, Exeter, Saracens and Toulouse have done over the last few years, and, and Leinster um, have done over the last few years, which is going and playing... The Heineken Cup or European Champions Cup, and then a week or two later, play in the Premiership or Pro 14 or Top yeah, 14 final. But that point. is that is two one-off games. That is not a three-test series and a six-test tournament. Yeah, because New Zealand aren't looking at this saying, "Oh, South Africa won't be up for it." Like they're, they're like, "We're going to kill South Africa." We're, you know, it, it's a test match. It's their biggest game probably in the last two or three years. But South Africa just had their biggest game in, tw- in 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, outside of the World Cup Outside final. of the World Cup final. But you get the point. Yeah. I didn't, and that's the, that's the bit I really wanted to see was the New Zealand-South um, Africa game, or the two New Zealand-South Africa I hope, games. I, hope, I, hope. I really hope we get that. Because it is... I mean, this, this game ended up being exactly how South Africa wanted to play the Lions tests, yes. which was stop, start, stop, start. And there, yes. were, there were so many times where um, South Africa were getting good front football, go for ball, Argentina would transgress at the rook, um, Carl Dixon's arm would go out, and South Africa know they've got the penalty, they know they've got a kickable penalty, and they weren't really interested in playing. They, they just... Oh, 
we'll we'll take the penalty. We'll slow it down. We'll take the penalty. Take the three points. Keep the scoreboard ticking, and just move on. And it, it ended up being an, actually an awful game to watch. I, I can't remember what program I was, I was watching. It referenced football. I don't know if it was a football program or if it was a program involving football. Right, small difference, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, where, where's the... Yeah, because I'm, I'm not sure if it, it was... It's something Italian, and I can't remember if it was like a documentary on Italian football, or it's a documentary on, on football, Italy. Football was the context, or yeah, the content. But, but yes, exactly, but then there was a, a bit about football, and it was Lazio versus uh, Roma. Okay. Oh, the Rome Derby, yeah. Rome Derby. And they're interviewing this, <laughs> this, this, old, uh, this old lady. She goes, I really hope that I can't remember which team it was, but this is what she hoped, right? This is an old, this, this is an old lady. She wanted her team to win 1-0 by own goal. <laughs> like, that's what she wanted. She, <laughs> like, is, is that what South Africans want? It, like, it, like, in a rugby context. <laughs> that's probably a good analogy for this game. <laughs> it's like, I want South Africa to go to New Zealand and win 1-0 with an own goal. That's, the sort of, that's how I want to see New Zealand destroyed. <laughs> With anti-rugby. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, just speak up for Argentina for a second to say that with the whole situation still up in the air over where these games will be played, if they will be played, uh, Argentina, I've just said, to their credit, wherever they are, we'll be there. Just let us know. Yeah, good good effort. Yeah, and this uh, fair play to them because they, they did it last year when they had yeah. so much quarantine and they were locked yeah. away for months at a time. Um, and they performed unbelievably last year. And they, they performed, were it not for those penalties, and I, I feel that some of the penalties were were pedantic and unnecessary at times, and they did really slow the, the game down. And it might have been a slightly different, it might have been a, a different scoreline. I don't think, I, I think New, um, I think South Africa is in control of this one, but um, that Argentine team is a bloody good team. Mm. And uh, Bruni, the number eight, yeah, what a man! What a specimen the man is. Enjoying his work. Oh, look at him! Look at his jawline. Oh yeah, crikey! Yeah, he is a, he a very thick neck. Thick neck, strong beard, incredible let's, jawline. Let's look at him again. Oh, handsome! And that kit as well. He, he oh. reminds you of someone famous, not an Argentine number eight. That's... <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't think. He looks. He looks like someone very famous. He looks awesome. He, he, he could be like a Marvel superhero, couldn't he? He could be, yes. Yeah, who's he play for? Never heard of the guy. Uh, Jaguars, I think. Oh, does he? There you go. That's probably why then. Yeah, I think. I'll just double check. Yeah. It's quite remarkable what is expected from both Argentina and South Africa in terms of their travel schedule. And they're, they're, they're the ones that don't complain or don't make a fuss, just get uh, on with it. I tell you, he's joined... So he has been Jaguars, uh, but he's joined Van in the... Uh, pretty duh. Wow. He played against Jersey in a pre-season friendly in a 25-all draw. Did he? <laughs> Did he? I mean, really? Wow, great knowledge. There's um, there's some value there for, if he's going to Van. Or is there? Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, it yeah, depends on which side of the, the value is. But yeah, that, he he's worth a few quid. He's a handy player. Just, mm. just jumping around some of the other stories then. Uh, oh, by the way... Uh, Lou Diago's got a mullet now. He'll be bringing that back to Manchester. So oh, wonderful news. Got a mullet. <laughs> and he got, he got man of the match as well, didn't he? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I'd given up, I'd lost the will to live yeah. at that point. Anyway, the mullet might have done its trick again. It was his 50th cap, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, elsewhere, Exeter received a shipment of 
egg whites in bottles. There's the, you know, they've got super eggs as one of their sponsor on their back of their shorts or on their shirt or somewhere. Well, they've, yeah, super eggs, super egg whites is now a a little recovery or protein drink. Have you ever tried to buy egg whites? Yeah, you you can can buy them in like those paper cartons. Cartons in the supermarket, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, okay. Because it's quite quite handy if you're making, say, a load of whiskey sours. Well, well, you yes, want an egg white omelette. Or omelettes, yeah. Um, yeah, so when I got on, on my health kick, I thought, right, I'm going to get some egg whites and just, you know, have them, add, add them to omelettes or whatever. Yeah. It's just, a, you know, an easy way. I hate wasting of yolks. I, I, really... I was say, what do you do with yolks <clears throat> if you just use the egg white? For, there must be something you can use it for. There is something you can use it. Custard. Custard. Custard, yeah. there you yeah. go. Yeah, custard ice cream. That's not really helping the health <laughs> kick. Well, not really. I'll tell you, um, last weekend I went around to my parents' house and my mum had made a load of homemade ice cream. And Thomas had some mint choc chip, homemade mint choc chip ice cream, and he was loving it. Of course, I was he like, was. "Mum, why is this ice cream so good?" Because I had a bit. I was like, "Wow, this is really good." She's like, "Well, it's so good because I make my own custard base, mm-hmm. so proper um, egg yolk custard base for the ice cream, rather than just using milk or cream." And there's half a bottle of creme de menthe in it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. why, why are you giving it to my two-year-old then? Well, why not? <laughs> it was delicious. The Logan way. How the Logans live. <laughs> exactly. Unbelievable. There you go. Get, get your egg yolks to, I just to Phil's yeah. folks' house. I just couldn't quite get over how disgusting that they are. What? So they just sit in this you know, little yeah. gelatinous stuff. And, have, you, have you ever drank raw eggs? I've never done it. Yes, I have. I no, hang on. No, I tell you what I did. Someone made me a whiskey sour, right? And we're in a bar in did in in Didsbury. This is actually this. What I did wasn't that disgusting. What the other guy did is actually unbelievably foul. Um, and so instead of the egg yolk going to waste, my friend next to him said, "Just give him the egg yolk." I said, oh, "All right, I'll try the egg yolk." It was absolutely it was absolutely foul. But get this, our club captain. Just come back from rugby tour that day. Do you know what his uh, tour trick is? He eats a whole carton of eggs, shell included. Puts some egg in his mouth, oh, crunches it down. Oh god! He'll and he'll do it all day long. That just goes. Is... And like I watch, I, I heave when I watch this. I I, heave, I can't I can't watch it. I wish he'd stop. It's so he just goes on and on. By the end of the day, he must have had something like. <laughs> I'm guessing like. Over a thousand calories in eggs. <laughs> in raw eggs. Is it cool? Cool hand, Luke. Oh, I don't know. I've got Gold, no idea. Luke's eating 50 hard-boiled eggs, isn't it? Oh, no, these are just raw. Just yeah, yeah. That, the, raw, shells included. Shells included. <laughs> he crunches these shells down. <laughs> he crunches them down. But people do that, don't they? Just chuck in, like, four or five eggs in a glass and just yeah. drink, drink them down without even stirring. J- James yeah. Haskell does I, that, no problem. I have done it in the past. I, I, Was that a pre-season thing? No, I, I I was doing it for a period of time, more for a time thing. Because I was, well, I I never particularly enjoyed it, but I can do it more for a time thing. Where I was like, right, I need some calories. I'm going to the gym at six a.m. I need some calories. I can't be bothered getting up to make. So I'll have some, whatever it is, some bread or some cereal, and then I'll have three eggs just <laughs> cracked into a glass and drink. I, I, I drink wish them. I could do it because it'd be so. It'd be really cool to be able to do, and it'd be efficient. It, yeah. it is very. You can efficient. stop at the shop. Crack, 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 crack. Boom, protein yeah. shake done. Jim. Yeah. But I can't do it. Just Because I'm a just coward. A, just a protein shake. Delicious strawberry protein shake. Yeah. Same, same. Same, same. Anyway, so that's an interesting egg detour. What, <laughs> yeah, what other news right. have no, you got, Tim? No, 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 I, was, I, was just, I was just wondering what other... I, it'd be interesting to know what the regime is of, of players in pre-season now. Because things do change and move on. 
They constantly mm. are evolving. They were, We know that some people Phil used to play with would do their preseason training after they'd taken some Hemo Rage. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Pre-game workout. <clears throat> Two tubs of Hemo Rage, boys. I think there's no substitute for caffeine, though, just a straight-up coffee. Before, Caf- caffeine before is good. Workout. Yeah. yeah Caf- and- caffeine's good. Just just a, a bit of protein and a bit of some carbs, just something. Mm. Well, shall we start reviewing some teams? Because we've got three teams to do this week. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to say one more final thing. Was, was the Major League draft was this week. Okay. They, they had a combine as well. Yes, I saw that. Which is very cool. Uh, ben Bowden did all right. I say he did all right. He he did some running. He he went and did it. Uh, well, he's, no, he's he didn't a... do the combine, but he did the event for social media. Oh, uh, to set some time. Yeah, so he set his time. And he looked pretty pretty quick. Hmm. I wonder what his. Um, it was four eight. Was forty. Really? Yeah. Which, which is not bad. Yeah, it's decent. I reckon I could do four eight. Let's see. Maybe we should have a combine. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, if you want to see what my athletic prowess is really like, you have every chance on the 4th of September. <clears throat> yes. For Ben Moon's testimonial, which, of course, I will I will be playing. Uh, in a team with... I, right, I, if this is false advertising, I apologise. But when I was told I was playing, I understand, in my team is James Hawk, Charlie Hodge, and Mike Tyndall, uh, Tom James, and somebody else on the wing. Somebody else, I don't know who has been confirmed, but opposite me, uh, I've got an absolute picnic in the back row. Uh, Kai Horseman, uh, Thomas Waldron, and Tom Johnson. Tom, 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 Tom Johnson. Easy. I'll dominate them. Easy. Absolutely dominate them. Particularly around the. Oh no! Julian Salvi. So I'll ah. get I'll, I'll, <laughs> the current extra defence coach. So I'll, I'll I'll have my way around that uh, around that breakdown. No problem. <laughs> uh, now, uh, also, just what I like about this is. One thing you don't get too much in the world at the minute is people saying, do you know what? I got that wrong. I've changed my mind. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, Quite doesn't. often people tend to double down or not admit when they get... when they. Well, in, interestingly, the, the double down thing is that is one of the things from Philip Tetlock, the Tetlock Cup, was it? he obviously studied forecasters and super forecasting oh that's where Tetlock comes in yeah. going back to the dossier at the start of the podcast I wish I'd, I wish I'd asked where the Tetlock thing came from but there you go well, I'm sure Hannah Snow would give us a far more in-depth um, explanation but one of the points I seem to remember was that the, the kind of two types of people broadly in terms of forecasting one who take on new information and make minor adjustments to their model going forwards and others who if something goes against them they actually double down and they they tend to get more wrong trying to prove they were right in the past if that Been makes here before. sense <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, yeah do you understand uh, on a slight tangent do you understand super forecasting at all because it sounds like a bunch of excuses to me <laughs> um depend depends what you mean because I've, I've read a bit about it so there is a wonderful podcast talking politics podcast when they go and talk to a super forecaster and he's, yeah he's so i've listened to, to that one yeah and he tries to explain so anyone who's doing like the retrospective rugby analysis well actually all analysis is retrospective so anyone doing rugby analysis and wants or you know, betting analysis or whatnot should listen to this because it is really interesting but then there's certain things in it so we'll say this event will happen two in three times which means when it does happen for the third time, I wasn't wrong. It was meant... To, so, like, Donald Trump winning yeah. is the one they, they used. So, well, no, no. what we said is... Well, if Nate, we run Nate this Silver ten, is ten, the one. That, this is exactly yeah. what Nate Silver in America yeah. did when, when the, the Trump thing happened. He, he said, uh, well, I, I, I... My model I, said it was 58% or... or, or 60, yeah, I said, I said Hillary Clinton has 75%. That means... One, that means... There was. I still said there was a significant chance that Trump could win. 
Yeah. I don't know where yeah. I stand on this because in my mind, 75% means they're winning. Yeah. And this, this is or the, whatever the percentage well, was. And this, this is part of the problem that we live in a world where everyone expects everything to be binary. You just have to go on Twitter to, to understand yeah, that. But with super forecasting, right, particularly with elections, this, here, here would be my thought. If it's like a thing that you do, right, like, or like a coin flip, you can see why it would be... Certain, and if you had a weight, well, then you can see why it would be 75, 25, you know, based on those things. But when you have masses and masses of people behaving independently, it strikes me that if you have a 75% prediction, that should actually happen, if that makes sense. So yeah, I don't think you that, can have a 75% prediction is what I'm saying. Yeah, so I I do get that you you shouldn't have a seventy five percent prediction if you are doing things like polling. If if you have got if you're running a poll and you are accurately if and your poll has a large enough sample size and you are um, sampling a broad enough demographic of people, then you should be able to turn that not to you, you should be able to get to a point where it is more binary and asking the right. question in in the appropriate way there's th- so many yeah. variables in all of those things. i think i know what i'm trying to say now go on and i'd love to know how stupid this this i'm, I'm looking on. forward to looking listening back to this to sound to hear how stupid i am if your coin is weighted so it's 75 percent one way 25 percent yeah. the other and you flip it there's a one in four chance that it is yeah, yeah. right if we have a hundred coins weighted this way and we flip them all there's a good chance we get 20 2575 is that right you, you well it might not be exactly but if and you the more if you coins flip we that, have if you flip that coin a million times yeah. it should trend to exactly 7525 and the more coins we have flipping simultaneously the more likely it is to be 2575 yeah does that make sense yeah 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 so yeah. on an individual event tr- tr- I, 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 I completely understand why a thing might happen. But across millions of individuals voting, I do not understand how you can get that so wrong to 75% and it not happen. Because those those variables which Phil talks about, if you're polling a a large enough number of people of an appropriately representative demographic and then asking questions worded in the correct, say, maybe neutral way, then you will get all... But but there's it, lots of occasions where people get those things wrong. But isn't the idea... So if you vote four times... If I vote four times, I might vote three times one way because of the day I'm having and the mood that I'm in. And then one time I might th- say, right, I'm going to vote for the other party because of something which I've seen on the streets or something which I've... Yeah, heard. the float... Because there are some people yeah. who always vote one way or the other, but there are also floating votes. And then you increase obviously. that by millions and millions of people and you still got it wrong. <laughs> but but anyway. wrong on a incredibly horrendous level. Yeah, like, right. They got it. Didn't just get it wrong. They got it really, really wrong. Anyway, so that's but, yeah. that's why I think super forecasting is not. it does depend on the event. Yeah, sorry. We're, no, we're no, 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 not at all. It's interesting. Uh, but this this started because I was just saying how refreshing it was when someone says, "Oh, you know what? I've got that. I got that wrong. I've changed my mind." And that person that deserves credit for doing so is Sam Warburton, who said after the storm got whipped up about his line saying, "What's it going to take someone dying on a rugby field before things change?" He, he, he's come out and said, "Do you know what?" No, I don't. I actually wrote that, or that was written a couple of years ago, and I don't think that. I think rugby's done made some really great strides, and I don't stand by that comment now. I don't think, I don't think rugby's in that mm. level of situation. I'm going to disagree with someone. I think it's inevitable someone will die playing this sport. No, I mean, no. People, I mean, people have already. Oh, but what was he saying? That he, the way we're going, there's going to be more deaths? He, or? No, he, I think the initial line was, is it going to take someone dying on a rugby field? Uh, to make these changes. To make the changes. changes. And actually, he's saying the changes have been made. It's in a much better position, yeah. and I don't 
I, I don't stand by those comments that I made then. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's inevitable that someone at some point will die playing the sport. Of it might be no. In fact, we had a guy it's die. Chap in Wales, thirty-one years old, heart heart yeah. issue it, in, it, in a in a memorial game in South Wales. Horrendous, horrendous. Mm. It, it just will happen, and I think when it does happen, it's important to look at the whole body of evidence of what has been done in the past and how dangerous the game is, rather than make a decision based on that 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 one event. Oh well, yeah, and, and yeah. So. Anyway, yes. So good, good for some. Yeah. And quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So we will continue now a little look ahead to the new season which is coming in the middle of September for the Premiership and we'll look at a, a few clubs and just quickly give them the once over uh, we did two teams last week it was Saracens and Worcester working away from the bottom up mm-hmm. which brings us to Gloucester as the mm. next least worst team uh, uh, Is it? <laughs> we can summarise this with one question is this year going to be Gloucester's year? I'm pretty confident I know the answer to this one. I am more confident than I've been for a long time that pretty, I know the answer to this one. Pretty certain this is will be no. No. Very much no. No. So, who would like to kick off with Gloucester? So I've got some thoughts. Go on, you, you tell us and well, I'll try and fill in any gaps. Who, who, are, the ins, who are the ins and outs squad-wise and, and where are they at in terms of personnel? So there's not a huge number of ins and outs. So you've had a few a few players leave. So Willie Hines going will be a bit of a blow. Um, Matt Garvey goes. Matt Banahan's retired. Yeah, nothing, nothing major there. We're, no, we're, we're, yeah, they've got young guys to come in, so they're, they're not they're not losing anyone that's frontline really with Willie Hines aside. But a very significant signing at fly half for them. Adam Hastings hmm. is Adam Hastings a top end fly half? I so I think he is a good fly half. I think he's is um, international calibre. That doesn't mean he's top ten in the world. So this is sort of like when Steve Diamond, before Sale had money, said he's going to sign in National Fly Half and was linked to uh, Rodri, Rory, Jennings. What was no. his name? Oh, he, played, he played signed. He played at played at Wasps and he played at Glasgow, I think. Rod, oh, Rodri Jackson. Rodri, Rory, yeah, Rory Jackson. Rory Jackson. Rory Jackson. Rory Jackson. The best one in the world. He's definitely he's definitely an, an he international is. fly half. Yes. However, we know what that you know. We, yeah, we know the reality of the situation. And I think Hastings is a cut above that. Um, I think Hastings is a good is a good fly half. I, I think I actually think he'll do well in the, his second stint in the Premiership because he yes. was he was at Bath years and ago, which which wasn't very good. I actually, sorry. I think he had a fair shot there. To be fair, I saw him play 
in one game. So he probably didn't. <clears throat> Did we see I, the same game and he less than adequate on on that day? He was he was definitely less than adequate on that day. Yeah. Uh, just just one very concerning thing. And again, I, I want to check if this is correct. This is apparently Gloucester's second kit. I think there's a reason behind that. They've got turquoise shorts. And that, I don't understand that the actual shirt itself is not significantly different from the home shirt because it's still hoops, white hoops, but with a thin red line and, and a black hoop. I don't mind that. I, I, I quite no, I like don't, it. no, I don't mind that, but it's just not, the it's shorts, not significantly different from the, from the home strip. They do. The, the turquoise shorts is weird. Hmm, that is, that, 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 that is strange. And the third, the third kit is not good. No, that's not good. No, they're, they're, no, that is not good. No, I'm just, I'm just looking back. Their away shirt last season or two seasons ago was, was, was turquoise yeah. Like I think there's some reason for that, but I don't know why. Oh, may, may, maybe it's maybe. just Wikipedia's got this wrong. I hope yeah, so. I really I wouldn't, hope so. I wouldn't trust that, because that does look pretty bad. That does look bad. Yeah. So, Gloucester. Yes. There's a few things about Gloucester which um, worry me. It's not that so much the departures... This year, although the people of, I think Garvey's a very useful Premiership player still. Yeah, I think Hank's he is. a very useful Premiership player still. And I think when you're at the bottom end of the table, uh, a team at the bottom end of the table could do with them. And thankfully for Worcester, they picked them up. So, <laughs> you know, the fact that Worcester think these guys are really valuable, I tend to agree with that in the situation that Worcester find themselves in, which is almost identical to the situation that I think Gloucester will find themselves in. Yes. So, uh, I would like to point that out first. But. The actual departures that mattered didn't happen this year. They happened last year. They lost something like 11 of, 11 of their starters. People like Mostart, who with them, you know, went, you know, went, has done great things since. Uh, Groblar was, was another one. They've lost really key guys. And then, of course, Sippers went, uh, uh, went off the rails and he had to leave. And now they've finally replaced him. So all of that stuff happened last year. And I think that is still impacting on this year. How are they going to play? They're going to be very conventional. I think that Skivington is a guy who is not dissimilar in his approach, and it's not just because they're both big second rows, to uh, Borthwick. Okay. You know, they are very focused on set piece. They're very detail-orientated. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to what uh, Skivington says, he's really into shock horror, work rate. So work rate, details in defence. Okay. Yeah. And because of that, I think that Gloucester will be in a lot of games, but I don't think they're going to win a lot. Yeah, now, if they're in a lot of games, they could have they could have one of the most exciting back threes in the league. Yeah. Um, yes. If you can get them all out away from internationals and fit at the same time. But a back three that lines up with Johnny May, Lewis Rees-Summit and Ollie Thorley is amazing. Yeah. But whether you can actually get give them the whether they get the platform to give those guys the ball in the space that they need is another matter. If yeah. And for them, in, in terms of the pack, if everybody stayed fit for the whole season, which, which never happens, if everyone did, they've got a quality pack. But they just don't get the value out of guys like Fraser Balmain and Val Rapava Ruskin, who right there, two solid premiership props. Very good props. But... You don't see them enough, and the, the depth is the concern for Gloucester. We saw that with their second row last year. Andrew Davidson, the, the Scott, has come in at lock, which will help. But you get a couple of injuries in a couple of positions, and massively they miss Jake Pelledry. He he makes an enormous yeah. difference to and that And his team. injury sounds like one which isn't going to be healing up anytime soon. 
I mean, mm. it does. It sounds absolutely horrendous. Like if they have him back, they've got the thing that they need. So I think their work rate and their attitude and everything, if you watch them play, is pretty good. Which is why, if you look at their games, I think they're the, you know, one of the most unlucky teams in the Premiership. Like I think they've got more losses by a single score than, than any other team. And I could have made that up completely, but you know they. They all, sounds reasonable. They, yeah, it sounds reasonable, right? It sounds reasonable, so, <laughs> so go with that. Now, Jay Pledry is an actual difference maker. So when you're working hard in defence, that's one thing. But if you want to be effective going forward, you need to get over the game line. I know it's boring, but that's exactly what you need to do. Because if you do, then they've got some incredible talent. People like Mark Atkinson, who can spread the ball around. They've got those you know, those guys in, the, guys, guys in the back three. And, of course, they've got Lion Chris Harris, too. Yeah, and let's just, yeah. Be, let's just be fair to Gloucester for a second, because not only did they not have Jake Pledry difference maker in the pack probably their well probably their best maybe maybe their best well definitely their best forward yeah but they didn't they had the whole sippers issue which landed on them as well so he, landed on them I what mean, were they not expecting well, it yeah you do you're right it did well they didn't it have was, anyone to replace him. it was yeah it was part way through the season <laughs> they, you could have predicted that you could have predicted but it, you, you are right you it, didn't need it, don't Dominic Cummings and the Super Forecasters to work that one out. Tetlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, but he's definitely not going to do it. Was it was going to happen one in ten times. <laughs> so, yeah. It's oh, definitely not going to happen for Bath, though. Bath have no. got him no, no. down. Bath, Bath have got the, exactly the management structure needed to uh, get the best out of Sippers. We know Precisely. that. Precisely. Um, uh, just, just on your point about the, the most unlucky or the, the winning the or losing the most by the smallest margins. It does stack up with the league table last year. So Gloucester had the least worst, so the best um, negative points um, points difference in the bottom half of the table. Mm. So all the teams around them, Bath, Wasps, London Irish, Newcastle and Worcester, had worse um, negative points difference. Gloucester need to get more, bonus, more try bonus points uh, and less losing bonus points. And <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And... and, a, and a, a ball carry number eight and a and a fly half could make but those things possible. Do you know who they have? They've still got Ackman on their books. Yeah, and still ben got Ben Morgan, Morgan on, on yeah. their books. They've got Engl- Lewis England captain Lewis Ludlow. Yeah, I, I tell you who I love. I love is Freddie Clark. I think that Freddie Clark's great. Right, that boy can bang. Uh, Jody Reid. Yeah, they've got some bloody good players. Yeah, they, they, they just can't yeah. put it together. It's, it's the attack which is putting it together. I wonder if. And this is not just sippers, ba- sippers banging for no, no, like no reason. But I wonder if he did sort of slow down the attack. So he's brilliant at what he does. There's no choice about how talented how talented he is. But it had to be that system that way all the time. And without him, I wonder if they can they can get these guys onto the ball, get them over the game line. It won't be as sexy as what sippers does, but it might be more effective. And, and the the sippers conundrum is. No one really plays like Sippers. Yes. How do you replace him? Yeah, exactly. And he he sets up things his own way, um, but it means no one else can just slot in and transition from from a Sippers system to a non-Sippers system. Mm. Higher or lower than 10th? I'm going to go 9th. That's where I think they'll be. Uh, I think 10th. If this is possible to say... They're going to be the best ninth place team we've seen in a long time because I think they'll be competitive eighty percent of the games. I think they'll be roughly where they were last season, this season. Yeah, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what what the expectation is on on George Skivington, whether that will put him under pressure. I don't mm. know. Mm, I, I've got a feeling not. I would suspect not. I mean, 
have they got enough money to put him under pressure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair, fair uh, question. I think when you go for a coach like Skivington, you've got to let him build. Yeah. Same problem with Worcester, right? They've given this coaching gig to Jonathan Thomas, who's got no prior arts being a head coach. Mm-hmm. You've got to let him build. You've got to give him the chance to make mistakes. Uh, I don't think there's relegation next year, is there? Or is there? No. Right. So it's a 13 team league, so every team gets a bye week intermittently. Yeah. Um, and then no relegation. If I was given a gig, and I think it's, it's almost the law that every coach, when they get given a gig, goes, Oh, I'm glad to be here. It's a five year plan. Three, oh, yeah. three year plan, five year yeah. plan. You've got a- to, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a good. But I don't know where I stand on this because Ben Darwin, who knows everything about everything, says you need time to settle into your. For me, uh, you know, to your combinations, I think he's right. On the other hand, go win games. Yeah, you have to do a bit of both, but you, you want to be able to. It's easier to buy into the five-year plan if you're starting to get some results. Even if it's, you don't expect to win every game, but you want to be seeing the the, tr- yeah. the transition. Like, look at look at Leicester. Like for the last few years, Leicester have been awful. They're lucky not to get relegated yeah, on, on a so couple lucky. of occasions. Um, in the last season, Borthwick. Took them. Uh, did they finish sixth? Uh, yes, they it, did. They did finish sixth. They won half of their games, but you saw the improvement from the preceding year. That you saw the trajectory. So uh, that was a very good season. It was terrible by historic Leicester standards, but it's a very good season because you can see how the Borthwick plan is going <laughs> to come. Do you know what the play. ultimate nightmare is for a new coach? The five-year plan. They buy the players buy into it. But then everyone figures out your five-year plan in about match six. So maybe you win your first, you know, you win four out, you know, four out of six. Four out of six, very good, yeah. Oh, yeah, and they're really trending in the right direction. Steve Diamond was the master at this. I remember him at Sale. He went, well, you know, you've got to look at this as a three-year plan. And then on year three, they were like 11th. And he went, this is year zero. <laughs> I think it's the year they went to the AJ Bell. We've got a new stadium. So this is year zero. Yeah. Well, Three-year plan starts again. It very seldom was done wrong. It worked. It, it did. Broadly speaking for them, it, yeah. there, there was improvement, yeah. which came with the cash. Who finished ninth last year? Uh, so, well, Gloucester finished 11th. Oh, 11th, sorry. Uh, Newcastle finished 10th. So, yes. on to Newcastle. So, Newcastle brought in a few uh, Quinns, old boys. Uh, obviously. Two I've got in my mind. Mike Brown Three, and four. Nathan Earl. Nathan Earl. Okay. And George Merrick. Okay. And Ollie Lindsay Ollie Lindsay Haig on a short-term deal. Uh, yeah, okay. f- from, admittedly from England Sevens. I don't really know about Newcastle, is the answer. I really don't know. I, I again, love... again, I would say they haven't lost anyone of huge significance. So No. So, they've upgraded their squad. So, I think Newcastle are the classic team that other teams can figure out. They run a system of shock horror. This will surprise you where they want to be the hardest working... Find me the team that doesn't want to be the hardest working team. But this is what their players say. This is what they say they want to be. They want to be the hardest working team. And they've got lads in that squad who can legitimately say they are some of the hardest working lads in the Premiership. Like, Gary Graham does nothing but graft. Mark Wilson. Nothing but graft. I mean, nothing but graft. Yeah. Um, Will Welsh is another one of them. Um, you know, they've got loads of these lads who are not massive. They remind me of a team in North Wales called uh, Nant Conway, and they're all uniformly, you know, five, five nine to five ten, and work incredibly hard. Like, there's not a special one among them, but they just graft. So, uh, defensively and all the rest of it, that's what that's what they'll do. We saw it being remarkably successful against the superstars of Bath. 
Where I think they can get figured out is the attacking patterns run by Dave Walder because they are compl- complicated. And when you have complicated attacking patterns and unique attacking patterns, that's when people go, oh, look, they're doing this sort of thing. So I... Was it... I can't remember if it was Tom Brady or it was Will... Uh, what's his name? Addison. Will Addison, who said on one of the Rugby Dungeons, like, if we see something that we like in in a analysis video, or if we do something which we think is really cool, next week everyone else will be doing it. So anything that you do unique will be all over the league within two, two, two or three weeks. Yeah. And I do think Walder's a, a, a unique attacking mind, but I also think that's one of the problems because you can, fig- you can then figure that out. So then after that, what do you have? You've got to keep... Being ahead of the curve. Yeah, you then that's when you need, well, boring again, guys can get over the game line because you can't game, get a game plan for that. Which? Big Loof? Uh, you missed Mast- one. Hey? You missed one. Missed one? It's much, much bigger, much more of a threat to the game line for Newcastle. Uh, Carl Ferns. Correct. Ferns it. That boy will be getting over multiple game lines. Yeah, now, he now he's had a proper pre-season under his belt. He'll be wrecking. He's back to, he'll be conditioned to play English rugby not French rugby exactly exactly <laughs> French rugby diet perhaps <laughs> no absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not uh, I I mean Newcastle will be used to this people writing them off I'm not writing them uh, off but I think they're going to dip down from where they were so I mean there are only two places well, actually in this this uh, league there are three places below them so they, they did finish in 10th they could finish 11th, 12th, or 13th. Oh, bearing in mind, Saracens are coming up. It's not a hard thing to go. They're going to... Everyone will probably shift. shift Everyone apart one. from the top two or three teams yeah. will shift down one place. Yeah, I'm undecided. It's because they've got, they've got some really good players, like you say. I bet they've got good leadership, too. Mm. So, Dean Richards, in another world, could have had a long, old, and successful stint with England. You know, except the Bloodgate thing, which let's just forget that for now. Yeah. He would have been the England coach. I'm certain he would have been the England coach at some point. Uh, Dave Wald is a really good head coach. Um, they've got a really good staff. It's just what? hard. To, I don't. I don't know. I. I don't know. They could go either, uh, either way. So I'm not going to put a prediction on this and be safe. <laughs> um, I do like them, and they're a predictable team, and they will definitely win games. They, yes. they will win tough games at home. In the middle of winter, they will grind out results. Their halfbacks might be a little. I mean, I quite like Schre- Schroeder. Schroeder, whatever yeah. it is. I think he's a cool player. I don't think he's a top class scrum half. I think he's good. And Mickey Young's a, a good, solid scrum half. Yeah, the is he prob- going to coaching next for Newcastle? Don't know. I don't know if he's. A, They're not going to miss many players to internationals, and even someone like Mark Wilson, who they have been without before via injury or mm. when they're in the championship or with England. I don't think. I think they'll get him. 22 games Toby Flood's looked a bit suspect at well, times Flood Talupe Flood that's the bit that I'd be worried about is the fly because they've got three fly halves on the books they've got Conan they've got Hodgson Joel Hodgson and they've got Toby Flood and like, who's your starter sweet... out of those three Con- Conan's going to be the starter no no who, who would your starter be Conan I would I'd say Conan as well actually probably Conan but I don't know <sighs> I guess my point is, if you're debating who the the starter is, and you're not debating it because there there are two amazing two like it's it's not like you've yeah. got um, I don't know George Ford and Danny Cipriani yeah. both both at your disposal. 
You're debating it. I'd love to see see that meeting room. <laughs> it wouldn't go well. No, it wouldn't. Is Mike Ford attack coach? Y- yes. <laughs> That's going to be attack coach, and I'll think of the other attack coach shortly. <laughs> Joint attack coach with Don Waldock. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, Nev Edwards skills coach yes get him in um, yeah the fly half situation does worry me Toby Flood just turned 36 he's, he's how old he is crikey he's still a he's still a decent player but his best days are behind him yeah uh, if Toby Toby Flood has to play 10 I can't see him being useful in any other situation for Newcastle that sounds like a horrible knock he won him a couple of games with, with some nudges at little kick throughs at 12 so he was yeah. playing 30 he was wearing a 13 jersey for Toulouse I know he point. was but that was a long time ago yeah <laughs> you know, not right now I'd love to, how do you think he'd go at 13 for Toulouse at the moment uh, is um, Luke, has Lucano Am moved uh, to be his opposite man at not this yet. moment in time not, not yet. yet okay no, I, if you're going to extend your career in the backs and you're a really good fly half that's the place to be or fullback because they've got one of them now. Who yeah. is thirty-five? Really good one. Yeah, with, some, about with some excellent wingers around him. Yeah, that and, could be I a mean, really smart signing. Actually, he like, has got a couple of great, great wingers around him. Radwan is legitimately awesome. Mm. Like, did you see? I think he scored a few tries, but one of the tries he scored against either Canada or USA was ridiculous. Yes, like, next level oh, speed. Well, have you seen the one in training? It would need England training. Good God. Yeah. So uh, with um, Mike Brown, here's something which is worth pondering. And I don't know how true this is. No, no, I do know it's true. I know it's absolutely true. I just don't know what the impact will be. Harlequins didn't used to play him on plastic pitches. Mm. Now, that's a problem if you're Newcastle, unless you only want to play him away, away. except for at Worcester and Saracens and whoever else has a plastic pitch. Mm. So maybe he's sorted that out for enough money. I don't know. Maybe... You know, a couple of hundred thousand pounds makes your knees okay on plastic pitches. I don't know how that works. Well, a couple hundred thousand pounds less than he was getting paid because <laughs> yes. he won't be. He won't be getting. Oh, he might be getting paid somewhere close to his big money Quinns deal, but can't see it. Yeah, I'm not sure it'd be quite the same. Yeah, uh, just have interest, right? Say if you're Mike Brown, yeah, and you're looking at Newcastle being your new home. Now, do you say do I do you go for the the security of a two-year deal, knowing that your deal's not going to be very good, what do you think? Do you know what? When I finished in the Premiership Champions this, this year, I'm one of the biggest reasons that they got as far as they did, because I was superb. I'll sign a one-year deal, and then someone will pick me up at the end, end, the end, the end of that deal, and I have a top, top 14 or Prem, and I'll just prove exactly how awesome, awesome that I am. Which way does it go? What would you do? I think, with the con- if he was just uh, living a bachelor life, and he's got money in the bank... He's done very well out of rugby. I might be tempted to do what you just did, but he's got a young family. Young family yeah. And actually, you don't want to go, like, right, we're moving this summer, and then we might be moving again next summer. Nah. Depends where you're moving to, though, right? La Rochelle. <laughs> I, I could see him in the top top, top 14, 100%. I could, I could see him in MLR. Perhaps. I could see him in, 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 in MLR. Anyway. Which is actually, that, that is one of the interesting things from Newcastle and Gloucester, the two teams that we've just looked at they've both picked up MLR players o- only one each so Wian Conradi from the so he's a Namibian but from New England Free Jacks ah, yes. has gone to Gloucester and Irish Lock former Irish Lock. yeah Matthew Dalton yeah, so I, I would tell you about um, 
the Namibian from New England Free Jacks. But we got an email a few weeks ago saying that I shouldn't talk about uh, MLR. So I can't talk about MLR. So thanks, you absolute loser that uh, emailed in. <laughs> there you go. You're not going to hear about that guy in detail. Well, it, it's the interesting thing is it, these are it's an avenue for guys who otherwise wouldn't have necessarily been playing and yes. wouldn't have been available. So it's, it's keeping guys in the game. And, and Matthew Dalton is... I think he's 22. Yeah, 22, 6'6", 118 kg. What's more t- what more do you want? And just uh, just <laughs> yeah, ask just ask Tigburn about yeah. not really having a lot of options and taking what you can get and then turning it round into something special. A- a- AJ McGinty found himself playing at Life University. Turns out he's really good at rugby. Amazing at rugby. Amazing at rugby. Yes. What happens people have different paths. Can you imagine a I mean Imagine AJ McGinty, that, that Irish accent, those those big brown eyes at an American university. Do you know My what? word. Do you know what? <laughs> I'm sure he loved his rugby there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you know what I can't imagine about AJ McGinty, right? He's the sort of player that needs good players around him because of his range of skills. I can't imagine it. Do you know, like some, I'm just trying to think of a player who would just look unbelievable. Like Adam Radwan, right? If you put him on like a level 8 pitch... He would score how many tries? A million a game, something like that. Yeah, two million, two million try, so, tries a game. I don't uh, know if that's possible, but you could do that. Ten, ten second, well, no, sub ten second, hundred meters. They yeah. kick as far as they can. He just sprints time after time. I after can imagine time. A, a AJ McGinty looking like a pretty good level eight ten, but that'd be it, like because he doesn't have that sort of explosive <laughs> athleticism. Like he's he's a different sort of player, and it, he ratchets it up every time that he plays in a better team. But I just can't imagine him in. I can't imagine him being the guy in America going, yeah, that's the guy. That is the guy to win Pro 14 on his second attempt and eventually take sail shocks to the Premiership. Mm. <laughs> One day. One day. Perhaps. Uh, who's next then? Who was 10th last year? Uh, so, 9th last year. 9th, sorry. <laughs> it was London Irish. God. Which would be 10th. No, there's well, There's only one yeah. guy around here that knows about London Irish. Yeah, and I can tell you they've, they've let a few players go. None hugely significant with the exception, I would say, of Blair Cowan. Uh, who's been an absolute warrior for them? He's moving on in age, but and they've got players coming through like Ben O'Donnell in the academy who they can look to to try and fill that that gap. But um, he, he will be a loss. Other than that, significant signings: Ben White, scrum half. They they let me and go at scrum half, and Ben White they've got in. So another young Englishman mm. to replace uh, an aging. Help me out here, Ben White. Where, international. Where is Ben White from? Leicester. Leicester. Uh, promises oh, from off. Of course he is. He's quite good. But not as promising as Van Portfleet. No. So Ben ev- poor Ben White. Yeah. I can't believe that I, I I dropped the ball on that one. Ben White was captaining Leicester uh, Leicester Tigers. He must have thought that the path was basically laid out for him. Van Portfleet shows up, Youngs comes back, and then they sign bloody Wigglesworth. But he's 23. And Ben White's good and he's 23. He's and, very and, and, good. And it's it, um, it's nice to see that London Irish are are, are doing that. They they've used the big names and expensively acquired foreign international players for the purpose and now they're supplementing it and gradually building a bit more of an identity with uh, Irish guys in fact they signed another Irishman didn't they from uh, like some, someone that's played a few times for Leinster but not really uh, they, oh Hugh O'Sullivan there you go ah mm. there you are. So was a squad player scrum half wing fullback they, do you know they've got all the basic ingredients haven't they to be a really good team mm. they need consistency they need a bit of nastiness and they need to just bring all that talent in anyway, they, they they sort of got it together the European Cup game against Cardiff is probably their best performance of, of the season and when they when they click they, they do look pretty good they've probably got 
one of the best, what, what, top three fly halves in the entire league? Yeah. Yeah. The way he plays. <coughs> he got, yeah, got back to his best. Or, or there or thereabouts. And they've got some really talented outside backs as well. Yeah. Like the, the back three, the young English back three of Hassel Collins, Ben Loder, and Tom Parton. Tom Parton, yes, was that's the one. Awesome last season. And it, it meant that someone else who's left, which who is a, it's a shame to see him go because he's so talented, but they, the injury um, meant he never really played. And oh, yeah. these guys' form meant he was never missed was Waisaki Naholo. Yes. Mm. Who we never got to see anywhere near his his best I don't, don't even know if he played a single game last season for the, for the first team he played two or three I mean it took him ten, de- ten games just to get fit in his first season yeah like he was he, he was mile, miles off the pace he, he was he's such a talented player but he's now gone Do you know, well, I think the way Irish play is Paddy Jackson as you say and it's Curtis Rona and yeah. those two yeah. give them uh, Paddy Jackson's got the ability to find the space where it is Curtis Rona creates enough of a diversion to give all those guys you just cool. mentioned and Tweety yeah, yeah, two yes. three, yeah, two, sorry, two three. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Those two being running threats from set plays. So there is um, a, a distinct step change, I think, when you get to London Irish compared to say Gloucester and Worcester and whoever else is coming up. Oh, sorry, ignore them. Right? <laughs> they, 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 they just don't count in this conversation. What you have in Worcester and Gloucester, are two very honest, hardworking teams, particularly in, in defence. What you have in Irish is I don't think they have that. You know, do, do you know when I said? We want to be the hardest working yeah, team. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Irish don't say that. That is that is a team which don't say this. They they want to be pack of the year 2013. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They are very good attacking though. So they do tend to score a lot of tries. And yep. They tend to keep up with their um, opposition in the exact opposite way. Good fancy dra- fancy rugby draft team. Yes, players. it is. A few, yeah, a few dangerous outside backs. Yeah, you want to be thinking about London Irish players for fancy rugby, actually. That's a great show. Because that back three is electric, and they play pretty much every game. Yeah. Yeah, they, re- they, they, they rely on other things other than hard work to get their points and stay in games, which is their, which is their attack. If they can just... Can, they're kind of a bad Bristol. The question is, can you get one more year out of Sean O'Brien and Steve Maffey and Rob Simmons and Adam Coleman and Augustine Creevy? Mm, one of those is going to fail. There's can multiple you, points of failure there. Can you get one more year? Well, Creevy actually ended up playing very well towards the end. He did. And you think, and okay. Maffey had a bloody good season. Maffey's hard, though. He, he is hard. He is a hard, hard man. Uh, built, built for rugby. I, I, I can see that. Sean O'Brien would be the one that worries me. Yeah. Uh, and who's the, who's the fourth? Uh, it's the two Aussie locks. Who so, they, they didn't get out for very much of the season. Have I got this right? Is Cole. one Aussie Lock a lot younger than the other one? So it's Coleman and Simmons. I've got a feeling one, uh, oh, one I, just got loads of caps and the other one's Coleman's got three. Like Simmons has got 100 caps. And Simmons must be probably 33, something like that. They, yeah, they're, they're locks. So, they can so, do that all day long. Yeah, Coleman 29, 34 caps. Simmons, I'm sure he's over 100 caps. Yeah, Simmons has got a, a huge... 105 run. caps, 32. Yeah. 32 year old lock that's absolutely fine yeah yeah that, that no worries Steve Steve Maffey is how old 35 oh. he's only 31 what tough tough paper on for, for Maffey Ma- so when he was at Leicester he must have been like what, uh, 22 or 21 something? he was at Leicester <laughs> yeah with his 20 21 with his one with his one glove yeah so was Matera he was at Leicester when he was like he 21 was, wasn't he yeah. very young yeah Right after he sent a load of uh, abusive tweets. Oh dear. Um, so yes, I think they'll probably. 
they get it together, they have got top four potential, I'd say. But more likely no top six. Way. No way. No. I, I think they I, I, I'd love them enough. to. I'd love them to. That ground makes a difference. That, that ground is worth a have few you, points. Yeah, have you been yeah. to it? Yeah, it's loud. And well, it's nice and steep. I really like need? it. It's like a steep AJ Bell. A Ooh. steep, close, louder AJ Bell. But it's, it's not louder. It's close to the centre of Brentford, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's right next to... Uh, a, Tra- train line yeah uh, train so station. there's four pubs on. there's a pub on every corner of the old Brentford ground yeah exactly there? that there's there's loads of pubs there's a train station right there good day out so mm. if you were ticking off what you need to win the premiership position wise what do the London Irish have or oh, top top four what do they need to get into, get into top top four fly half of a certain quality yeah right. you need a good fly half done yeah it's you need a good number eight yeah. two is two two is two he's not Tuisui is a good number eight. He's a good number eight. Uh, they need to, they need to keep him fit. They don't have yeah. anyone how, below Tuisui. Like he's good. He's how not. Many, how many he... better number eights? So better number eights in the league. Paledri if fit. Yeah, if it, Sale have got two or three of them, I'd say. Uh, Dan Dupree. Dan Dupree, yes. Is he John Luke Dupree? I think you you swap uh, Dan Dupree. Certainly John Luke uh, Dupree and, and Tuisui. I mean, does Tom Curry count as an eight? Uh, he does when he's playing for England. Steve, I mean, that's Steve Diamond good. said he could never play eight. He never even looked at him for eight. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've got who knows more? Uh, Visa, so, Jasper Visa, Jasper Visa, Alex Dombrant. Yeah, Dombers. Yeah, Simmons. Yeah, Simmons oh, a very good. different type of player. Tolupi Fowler Tower is quite on good. Recent form. No. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Billy's all right, isn't he's he? Sort of middling in the prem. Yeah, he's probably. Probably yeah. he's not the, the absolute highest quality. He's very good, just not the highest. He's very yeah. Uh, and the, you know, we've got an electric back three. They've got locks. Locks are important. Oh, how can we not say Carl Ferns as well? No, yeah, Carl Ferns. Carl Ferns. Because he played at six. <laughs> plays at six. Callum Chick plays at eight. Yes, right. Um, yeah. My view is they've got the bare bones to sort of get there. I don't, you are right. They're not going to be top four. But I think they have got some of the material needed to get can, there. Can they beat a top four team? 100%. Yes. 100%. Definitely they can. Can they do it sufficiently to actually get themselves into the top this four? This is what they'll do. They'll beat no. the top four team, but they'll lose to Worcester. This is the yes. sort of team that, team that we're dealing with. Yes. I think at home they are going to be really tough to beat because, as I say, they're going to get a good crowd relative to what they have done in the past. Reading was a disaster. I mean, with the best will in the world, they tried to make the very best of it. And those, those St. Patrick's Day games were... Really good fun. And they Which one? The one in New York? Oh yeah, that one. Absolutely, <laughs> that one in New York. No, but they managed to get. They managed used to get twenty thousand people into the Medeski Stadium, but that that Paddy's Day, block out that Paddy's Day weekend and go to London Irish because it will be mm, awesome. It will be cool. Uh, should we do one more? Because we did say we're going to do. Was it? No, so we've no, got we've only three. two when we get to the top three. four. If that makes sense. Three is good for today. We. It, if we say three, if this. we do three for today, then that gives us. I think it allows us to do the top, uh, the top two teams independently. So Bristol and Exeter on on their own, but everyone else gets done in blocks of three. Then like Bristol being in the top two, they shouldn't be in the top two. It should be Quinns and Exeter in the top two. Quinns win it from fourth. So yeah, maybe we should do Quinns and Exeter as the top two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Quinns have earned that. Yes, Bristol Fair get enough. moved down. Yes. Yeah, so any more for any more? Um. I could do with the little box set tip off. Well, I, I, I was going to talk about the wasps. Um, oh yeah, go on. I think I want to. No. I think I think I want to leave it on this, and I'm going to say I'm going to hold my fire on that till uh, another podcast where we can just un- unload on, uh, on that.
on that. For safe to say, I'm not. I'm not in favour in, fav- in favour of it. But I think we've touched too much politics today. So uh, let's talk about box sets. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's not even bother explaining yeah. it because yes, the box. vast the vast majority of people who, Do aren't, not who aren't on Twitter don't care and won't have seen it. Yeah. Exactly. So let's not entertain it. Uh, yeah. I need a box set. So, um, but I will say I've only uh, Mind Hunter. I've just Mind Hunter. Watch it. It's, it's really cool. Interesting. It needs a little bit of getting into, but I didn't realise there was a unit in the FBI who, in the late in the seventies, started looking at when serial killers became a thing. Okay. They start that they started a behavioural science unit in the FBI to try and understand the motivations mm. of serial killers to try and understand the psychology of them, so that they could try and predict, both predict where they might appear or or. Uh, stop them from stop repeat offenders when they were midway through uh, doing the repeat uh, offending, and it's it's pretty cool, pretty mm. cool. But I'm 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 about to be short of a box set. I need a tip off. What have you watched? I listened to a podcast the other day, not that you asked to ask this, but you're going to hear it. Um, <laughs> and it was about um, it's about it's sort of semi linked to mental health, right? But one of the things it was going so it just reminds me of what you were saying to saying about um, the mind hunters. There, they were looking at the psychology of serial killers, and a lot of serial killers just basically copied each other. And now, then serial killing became a thing, and then oh, I'll become a serial killer. Well, why not? Kind of thing. And it was saying like how basically once an idea gets into the gets into the national conscience, and particularly when uh, medics push an idea. That it becomes more, more and more prevalent. So, in a way, you know, the more you talk about serial killers, the more you don't it's get like more serial soft... killer awareness. I am not reporting Phil as a potential serial killer, although to be fair, <laughs> right? He'd it, be very methodical. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if we were all serial killers, Phil would be the one that wouldn't get caught. Well, it's always the guy you don't expect, <laughs> isn't it? It's always that guy. It, but he'd cover his tracks. Yeah. So, like the idea of like he, he'd, have, he'd have all his. Um, You'd have all the people in cement in one of the buildings he's oh, constructing. He'd have, he'd have their perfectly formed skins on his wall. <laughs> Be wearing their skins at night. Um, yeah, so I, it's one of those things I reckon the more serial killer awareness that we put out, we wouldn't just catch more serial killers, we'd just create, create more, more serial create killers. More. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm, yeah. And I'm sure the same thing happens with terrorists. Like, just look out for terrorists, and all of a sudden you get a load of terrorists. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so box sets. I tell you what, I did watch the other day, and I'm sure you you will have watched it uh, because, of course, I had COVID. I couldn't couldn't leave the house. I did the whole of season three of my favourite box set, which is uh, what's it? The very very folksy one based in Minnesota, Fargo. 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 That that season two and season season two of that is probably. The first two seasons of that are probably the best, some of the best telly I've ever watched. I don't think they even need a storyline. It's they incredible. Just do random. Yeah. Was, is that the, the season three? Is the uh, Scottish fella? I couldn't even tell you. I, I just loved watching it. Uh, McGregor, you and McGregor. Yes, it is actually. It yeah. is, and it's really hard to work out who's going to be the one with Kirsten Dunst in it. The season two. Oh, that is just do, awesome. Do you know why I liked it? I liked it because the bad guy wasn't who you were expecting it to be. So the very start is a guy in a you know, posh house and his tux, uh, his tux and all the rest of it, and it turns out he's the really nice guy. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert! alert. <laughs> yeah, well, ha- it happens. Season four is on now, so if you've not seen season three, ah. and the other thing I started doing as well, not box set, but I started rewatching old sort of not slaps, com- like modern comedy things. Like uh, what was the one that I watched? The other guys love, love the other that. guys. The Price first, mates, the first ten brilliant. minutes of the other guys. The, the whole thing. <laughs> Seldom has there been so many jokes packed into 
packed, packed into a film. Every single, there's not a single wasted scene. <laughs> I do like the other guys. It's brilliant. It is Phil, very good. Anything? Any tip-offs? Oh no! Don't ask me. I'm okay. I'm uh, spending my very limited TV time. Uh, so I'm still really enjoying watching through old grand designs. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. And I'm a bit of a loser, but yeah. I've started reading Rationality by Stephen Pinker. Which, oh, uh, yes, I'm, interesting. I'm enjoying so far. He's got an interesting brain, that man. Yeah, so, I, I, you know. I've watched 280 something episodes of a man fixing a wooden boat on YouTube. So nice. That's a, that's Are you make it? Have you got a YouTube channel to chart your boat building journey? We do actually have an Instagram account, the Phyllis Mabel, run run by my sister. Uh, so yeah, maybe, 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 maybe look at that. Hmm. I might, uh, I might try and read a Stephen Pinker book. I think I'd quite enjoy that. He, he, I can't remember what it was called, but he, he did a TED talk which got got a lot of um, attention, and it was a book off the back of it. And his point was, the world's never been so good. Yeah. Ev- everyone's moaning, and everyone's yeah. saying how dreadful. And I'm not talking about the last year and a half. I'm talking about yeah, the, the yeah. last twenty years. Everyone's saying how all these things are, are, are worse than they've ever been. Racism's worse than it's ever been. Um, wealth inequality's worse than it's ever been. Poverty's yeah. worse. It's all this bollocks. And he um, he just chants it out and gives you the facts and just says, mm. "We are the luckiest humans ever to have lived." Right. Just on the yeah. facts of things. Right. Um, TED talks. Would you ever do one? No, no, no. Not a TED talk. Not real. A TEDx talk. TEDx talk. I don't know. I would never do a TEDx talk in my life. What is a TEDx talk? A TEDx. Right. What you see quite a lot of, specifically on LinkedIn, is like I just didn't, I did my first TED talk. No, no, you didn't. You did a TEDx talk. So I could hold, a, as I understand it, a TEDx event, say, in Chawton. And I could just invite, invite invite you to speak. I think it's a little bit similar to... Have you ever seen when someone says, I've spoke at the University of Leeds Business School? Or I've, mm-hmm. I've spoke at Ox, uh, uh, Oxford University Business School? What they actually do is they hire out a room in, in Oxford Business School. And then you pay me 100 quid. Then I will let you address all the other people that have paid 100 quid in the Oxford Business School. And then you go back and put on your thing, spoke at Oxford Business School. Wow. So TEDx is basically lots of people that want to talk, talking to other people that want to talk. And go, I've done a, I've done a TED Talk. And they're almost all life coaches. <laughs> do you get your video filmed and put on their website? Uh, not on the TED website because it's not it's like I think it's like a, a licensing I, I might be talking nonsense now this is how I interpret it like licensing spin-off for TED for TED Talks TEDx so you can hold it in Preston what does the X stand for what's the point what the X is not exclusive mm. yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. anyone saying that they, they spoke in Leeds Business School or something like that they've probably hired a room and then you sell your tickets to £100 to anyone else who wants to speak there and then you speak to other people who are already in that room boom Spoke at Oxford Business School. Are you going to do it? Nice. 100%. <laughs> You're mad not to. <laughs> mm, yeah, on, on that um, Stephen Pinker point, I'm reading a book uh, called More From Less by Andrew McAfee, who was on Econ Talks, Econ Talk a while ago. So he's a material scientist from MIT. And the, the overarching point is not that everything is perfect, um, but he's basically making the argument that... Um, Historically, um, human prosperity was directly linked to um, using more and more resources. Yes, I've heard this. It's brilliant. Yeah. And from the 70s in the developed world, that link has um, been taken away. So now, even though we are getting more and more prosperous, the link between consuming more and more energy, emitting more and more carbon, using more and more um, 
finite materials, the link has been broken. So now, even though we're getting more prosperous and populations are, are still growing, we are in the developed world using less energy, less material, less material, less steel. but not less energy, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, it's it's less um, so less carbon emitting energy. So we're probably more energy in total, but less more renewable energy and less fossil fuel. Hey, on that, well, the, well, no, yeah, well, very briefly on that. Yeah. I, so I listened to something which was blowing my mind, where where someone was ex- this uh, this economist guy was explaining that GDP was com- was. Don't talk to me about GDP. No, no, <laughs> GDP is is something that's invented and is, of course it isn't is. real. It's because, nuts because much like energy, you've said energy energy. There is only uh, there is a there is a certain amount of it. You cannot you cannot grow more of it. You cannot take it less away. You can only change the form of that energy from one thing to another, whether that's to a living human being or a carpet that we that's, that my feet are on or whatever it is. And and it's exactly the same. GDP was constructed because wealth you cannot grow. You cannot grow. You cannot take it away. It's actually ultimately. No, you can. Like no, no. Existentially, it's like energy. No, 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 no. It's not. Well, yeah. It, no, it's not. No, 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 it's not. You, you, you can. If I get a bunch of minerals and make it into an iPhone, that has created wealth. You're adding value to the product. You, you, no, no, I've created no, no, wealth. No, 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 but it's like energy. You're just changing the form of what already no, no, exists. No, because energy is finite. I, you know, wealth creation is not. I, so I, 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 I do disagree with that. But on GDP itself, um, it, it's crazy. Don't read about GDP. Don't study GDP. I've got a book. It's just called GDP. And you try and read, read the thing, and you're reading this thing. Would, would doing what? They will invent new ways to make GDP overnight simply so they can borrow more, oh, more, that's, more money. That's, that's how Greece got into the EU. It's crazy. And the more you read it... Because what they did for Greece is... The, sorry, we're getting way off. We'll stop in a minute. <laughs> what they did for Greece to get into the EU is they, they uh, lent them a load of money to be able to build infrastructure for the Olympics... And then said, "Well, you've got loads of infra- infrastructure. We'll put that in your positive column, not in your debt column. We'll put that in your we'll put that in your what you've got." And that inflated their their books, so that they went, "Yeah, you passed the test. You can come in the EU." Yeah, I I, I don't want to talk about G- yeah. G- G- GDP. It's yeah. Anyway, we've got, we've got way, way off. off topic. <laughs> way off. Oh, we, oh, mind you, we started the podcast talking about football hooligans, so yeah. you know, we've sort of at least we've raised the bar a little bit from there. Exactly. Right. F- finish this off. Let's go. Nice one. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.